know, in this world that we're living in, there's so much that comes into our lives that sometimes it's hard to discern what is right and what's wrong, what is actually the truth. I was talking to the teens a little bit earlier tonight. I'm sure each and every one of you at some point or another have been told a story by a loved one. Maybe it was one of your parents or grandparents. But let's say they came to you one night and they're going to tell you a story. And this is how they started the story. Once upon a time in Narnia. Now, if they started out a story once upon a time in Narnia, you wouldn't believe that the story that they're about to tell you is true. For two reasons. Most stories don't start out once upon a time. Most true stories don't start out once upon a time. And secondly, Narnia was a fictional book written by C.S. Lewis. And so there's another reason why we wouldn't necessarily believe the story they're about to tell is true. Because there wasn't a definite time given, and the place that was given is fictional. Now, on the other hand, if someone came and were to speak to us and tell us a story, and they started out in 1955. I was in Brooklyn, and I was with my best friend Charlie. That kind of starts out the story more realistically. There was a definite time given. There was a place that was given that really exists. And there is also a friend that was mentioned that maybe you knew of and have heard about before, there were more facts that were given to you that led you to believe that the story they were about to tell you was true. Now, the Bible in no way is just a history book. The Bible is the living Word of God. And so we know that as the Word of God is alive and it speaks to us from God, that we can believe what it says. And in this world, we kind of have to learn to discern as Christians what we're allowing into our lives, whether or not those things are true, whether or not those things are real, whether or not we should allow those certain things into our lives. Philippians chapter number 4, in verse number 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, in supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have heard, that ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, if we as Christians started to live our lives by verse number 8, I think we would severely change the things that we allow into our lives. To really compare what we allow into our lives to the Word of God. You know, in this time, a lot of people are wearing masks. What is the reason for that? A mask is a sort of filter. It filters out impurities that you don't want to spread or intake. And as Christians, we should live our lives with the filter of the Word of God. The things that we allow into our lives should be compared to what the Bible says. 
The things that come out of our life should be compared to what the Word of God says. If we live our life with the filter of the Word of God on our lives, it will severely change the things that we allow to influence us. You know, I think back to the times when I was a teenager and much younger as a child. There would be times when my parents would come to me and they would say, yeah, I've noticed you hanging out with so-and-so and you know, I don't want you to just cut them off. I don't want you to ignore them, but I feel as though they're not the best friend for you. And we've noticed that some of the bad habits that they have had and shown in their lives are starting to rub off on you. And oftentimes as a child and a teenager, my reaction was to put up a guard like, well, you know, there are some things that you don't know about them. They're better than you think they are. And there's still some good in them and they're okay. They're not, I'm not going to do what they do. I'm not going to go that far. But the times that I didn't listen to them, the times that I didn't allow the things that my parents were trying to teach me into my life, I started to act and look like those friends that I was with. And whether or not we immediately realize it, everything that comes into our life, everything that we see, everything that we hear, everything that comes into our life will affect us in one way or another. That's why it's so, so important that we should live our lives with the filter of the Word of God. You know, people in this day are so worried about what's true. You know, there are a million different things being told to us on a daily basis. A bunch of different things that come into our life that, you know, we don't necessarily know for a fact whether or not those things that they're saying are true. But the Word of God, it talks about what is true. You know, the Word of God, it doesn't lie to us. The Word of God is true. But not only is the Word of God true, the Word of God is the truth. In John 17, 17, uh, Jesus says, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Not only is the Word of God true, the Word of God is the truth. Jesus, talking about Himself, said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He is the one that should guide our lives. He is the one that should be allowed to filter everything that comes in and out of us. The guiding of the Holy Spirit is what should guide us through our daily lives as Christians. And if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us, then we're going to fall short of what God has for us. We're going to allow some things into our lives that aren't so good. We're going to start seeing a change in our lives and not necessarily something that we notice right away, but in our life there's going to be a change and that change isn't always a good one. We as Christians must really rely on the Word of God to guide and direct us. Isaiah 40, verse 7 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, 
but the word of our God shall stand forever. Things in our lives are going to change, whether or not we like them. There are things that we had planned to do this year that maybe we weren't able to do when we wanted to do them. Our schedules have been changed. Our lives have been changed because of what is going on in our world. But our God will never change. Our God will always be there for us. The Word of God is going to last forever. So what are we going to rely on in our lives? Are we going to rely on the things that the world is trying to tell us? Are we going to allow the things that the world is trying to show us to influence our lives? Or are we as Christians going to allow the Word of God to filter everything that comes into our lives and then discern what is truth and how it measures up to the Word of God? and whether or not we should allow it to influence our lives. The Word of God is not going to change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we decide in our lives to rely upon our daily schedule, or rely upon the world for the way that we live our lives, or rely on the way that we used to do things to guide us, those things will let us down. If we solely rely on people to guide and direct us in our life, then we're going to be let down. You know, it's never my will or intention to ever let anyone that I know down. And, you know, if I promise someone something, I want to uphold that promise. Not all people can say the same thing that they would intend to or that they want to uphold the things that they say, but... Regardless, I'm not perfect. And as much as I would hate for it to happen, there may be a time if you solely relied on me that I would let you down. But our God will never let us down. Our God will stand forever. So who are we going to rely on for truth? What is going to guide and direct our lives? It has to be God. It has to be what He says. The Bible in Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 12, says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God can and will direct our lives in the right direction if we allow it. You know, that's the amazing thing about God is that He gives us a choice. The Word of God is always going to be there for us, whether or not we always follow it. But it's my prayer for my life and for yours that we would more consistently live our lives according to what God has given us, according to the Word, according to the truth.
that we would solely rely on Him for everything. You know, it's easy as humans to try to take things into our own hands. You know, I want to do it. That's just kind of the way that we are. If something can be done and we have the power to do it, we want to do it. You know, it would frustrate me at times as a kid, like when I just couldn't quite get something right. I'd be trying with all my might to get it right, and I just couldn't do it. And then my dad would come along and he'd be like, watch. And he'd just get it. First try, no effort. Just whatever it was that I was trying to do and I couldn't do it, it just seems that he could do it so much better. And at times that would frustrate me. And in our lives, if we try to take things out of the hand of God, it's never going to get done. You know, no matter how hard as me as a little child would try to do something and couldn't do it, I had to learn to rely on someone that was bigger and stronger than I was to accomplish the task. And as Christians, we need to solely rely upon God for our strength for every aspect of our lives. Allow Him to guide and direct. Allow Him to work in and through us. Filtering everything that we do first through Him. It's all too easy to take things into our own hands. It's easy to get caught up in the media and social media and all the flashing lights and pretty colors of the world. But we need to take a moment and to put everything into perspective before we allow it to guide us. And that's only with the Word of God. And Pastor. Truly, we need to live the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. And Brother Daniel started out by using a scenario that if he began to tell you a story and said, once upon a time in the land of Narnia, we might not believe that story. We might not think that that was an actual event, but rather it was something that was fictional. Now I want you to, in your minds, go back to the month of January. Imagine we're together and we're having some dinner and we, we decide to drink some coffee after dinner and we sit down in the, in the living room to visit together and maybe have some pie and coffee. And I say, once upon a time, in the land of America, a disease was introduced that began to infect thousands of people. Fear gripped the hearts of all of our people and its leaders, so much so that every school closed its doors. So much so that they closed the doors of every church and said, if you go to church, we're going to arrest you. Fear and death became a way of life to the extent that people were wearing masks and gloves just to go find food. They wouldn't let the kids play on the playground anymore. And not only that, they wouldn't tell anybody 
how long things were going to stay that way. Not only did the kids have to come home from school, but the parents had to go home from work. And many of them didn't know how they were going to pay the bills. You might say, stop, stop, that's not a fairy tale. That's a nightmare that could never happen. But guess what? It happened. It's the truth. There are those that approach the Word of God like it is a fairy tale. And what's more, we understand that the Bible is the source of all truth. And so, what does the devil want to do? Because just as God has a will for your life, and that is that you walk in the truth, we know that the devil also has a will for our lives, and he does not want for us to walk in the truth. And I want you to take your Bible and go to John uh, for just a moment, chapter 8. John chapter 8. And as we stop to consider this, I want to continue with my story and say, not only did they close the doors in the churches, and not only did they say that our parents had to go home from work and, and you couldn't go to school, but they closed every barber shop. And so people either started growing long hair or they learned how to cut their own hair. Brother Daniel cut his own hair today. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. I think when I turn into a hippie, I might do that. But uh, uh, in my case, I don't get a haircut. I get my hairs cut. cut. And uh, so uh, the Lord has all the hairs on my head numbered. And that's a job that's getting easier for him by the day. I, they're not only numbered, but I've now got them named. And uh, so... Uh, I'm not going to give give you their names uh, because then uh, something bad would happen, I'm sure. But uh, I want us to look here in John chapter 8 for a moment uh, in the Word of God and verse number 44. And Jesus is talking to some people that are accusing Him of telling them lies. And they themselves have been lying. And here's what Jesus said in John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil... And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. You know, the Bible says that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We know, according to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, that the devil has an agenda and we know the tools that he's going to use to try against the people of God to draw us away from the will of God for our lives. God's will, as Brother Daniel has stated so well, is that we allow the Word of God to be that which is absolute in our lives. That we allow that to be the filter by which we allow things in and out of our lives. And that we're to, to meditate upon the truth and walk in the truth. But you see, the devil knows that that's God's will for our lives and he wants to try to prevent us from doing God's will. So what does he want to do? He wants to supplant God's truth. That's right with his lies. And uh, 
if I was going to title my portion of this night and what I'm going to say, it would probably be that stinking liar. That stinking liar. I'm telling you, uh, if I get mad at anything, I I get mad at the devil. And uh, I want to get mad at sin and Satan. And I I, I want uh, to be on God's side. And I just can't abide it when the devil starts putting his lies out there all over the place. Now, I want you to understand that this is not some new phenomenon with the devil. This is what he has done since the beginning of time. And to prove it to you, we're going to go back to the beginning, and we're going to take a look in the book of Genesis and chapter number 2. In Genesis chapter 2, we find that the Bible says in verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, the Lord was very clear concerning what He told to Adam and Eve at this moment. He said, you can freely eat, He said. He said, thou mayest freely eat of every tree in the garden. I want you to remember that. Freely eat of every tree in the garden but of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil, thou shalt not eat. So, there was one thing that God said, thou shalt not do. We know that that's the commandment that He gave to Adam and Eve. Just one in the garden. So, a loving, benevolent God created them, set them in a place, the garden of paradise. And there He said, I want you to enjoy everything that I've created here for you. I want you to be able to partake of all of it. With the exception of one thing, I'm, I'm, I'm cautioning you against that because the, the, the results of you partaking of that one thing will be catastrophic. So, it was cautionary. It wasn't punitive. The Lord wasn't trying to punish them or do something to them by not letting them eat that. He was trying to protect them from that which would be catastrophic and that which would be destructive to their lives. And that's important for us to remember. And with that in mind, we look in Genesis 3. And the Bible says there in verse number 1, in Genesis 3.1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Is that what the Lord said? No, the Lord, the Lord said, you can eat of every tree freely, with the exception of one. But here he said, did the Lord say you can't have anything to eat? And so he's twisting what God said. Then in verse 2, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And so there, she was accurate in telling the devil, telling the serpent, what God had said. Although the devil was trying to call it into question in her mind. And in verse 4 we read this, And the serpent said unto the woman, 
ye shall not surely die. Now what did God say? Boy, if you eat of it, you shall surely die. It says it in chapter 2, verse 17. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. But what did that stinking liar say? He said, thou shalt not surely die. He contradicted the truth of God just outright. And in verse 5, he continued with his lying ways and said, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, the devil has not changed his tactics from the Garden of Eden until now. And what we discover is that there were three things that he wanted to question and undermine in the heart and in the mind of Eve and ultimately Adam that resulted in the fall of all mankind. And the things that Satan did there on that day, he's still doing in this world today. Now, I want to give you one of the classic things that people will say that illustrates exactly what we find here in Genesis chapter 3 about what the old stinking liar, the devil, does to try to undermine the truth of God. Now, if you're like me, you've probably had someone over the course of time come to you with a question something like this. How could a good and loving God ever send someone to a terrible place like hell? How could a good and loving God ever send someone to a terrible place like hell? Now that seems like a reasonable question, but I want you to know that the basis for the rationale behind the question comes right from the pit of hell and from that stinking liar because what they're questioning about God with that question is precisely what Satan was endeavoring to do in the Garden of Eden when he spoke to Eve. And I want you to see that when Satan spoke to Eve there in verses 1 through 3, we see that dialogue, the exchange between them. We find that first of all, Satan wanted to question and undermine in her heart and in her mind, God's Word. To question and undermine in her heart and in her mind the truthfulness of God's Word. I want you to know that the devil has been actively endeavoring to do that since that time until the present. My friends, I want you to know that a student, an honest broker in truth that comes to the Word of God and studies out what God has said, we understand that if we reject Christ, then the wrath of God abides on us. We know that uh, whoever is not found, their name written in the book of life, is cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death, a place called hell. It's a place of suffering. And that's exactly what God said uh, would be the case for those that, that reject Jesus 
as their Savior. And yet people want to say, well, I can't really believe in that. You know, there are people today that say, well, I, I can almost believe in a heaven, but I just don't. I reject that there's a hell. In fact, um, there was a famous preacher that uh, was on uh, television for many years who embraced the idea that there really is no hell and that a loving God would never send someone to hell. My friends, I want you to know that this is something that Jesus warned the, the, the Jews about, he warned his followers about, and in the 13 recorded sermons in the four Gospels, eight of those 13 sermons that Jesus preached specifically involve a warning against going to hell. The Lord came so that we might be saved from hell, and it's, it's a real place, the devil knows it, but he wants to get people in their own imagination to believe the lie that it doesn't really exist. And what we find here is God told Adam and Eve, look, if you eat of the tree of, that's in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Then Satan turned around and told Eve, thou shalt not surely die. You see, he wanted to question and undermine in her heart and in her mind. So, what she thought about what God said and how she felt about what He was saying that God said. And she began to be governed by her own thoughts and not God's truth. She began to be governed by her feelings about the devil's idea about what God may have been saying or maybe not saying. And she began to live her life not on the basis of what God said, which was true, but on the basis of what lie the devil implanted in her mind, what she thought about that, and how she felt about that. My friends, I'm going to tell you something. I said this in the Bible study yesterday. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you think you know. You don't know what somebody may have told you. All you really know is what God has revealed to be the truth. That's all we know. So, you, you, you don't, uh, listen, you don't know what you think you know. You only know what God has revealed to be the truth. And so, we can't trust what I think because the devil wants to implant seed thoughts in us to turn us into a bunch of paranoid idiots. He, he wants us thinking things that are so far removed from the truth that, that we're out there in la-la land. And I'm just simply saying, that's been something that he's done from the beginning. And Jesus told the rulers of the Jews that you have your father the devil. And he was a liar from the beginning and abode not in the truth. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus was essentially what we're saying tonight, saying the devil is that stinking liar and he wants to implant lies into your mind and into your heart to lead you down the primrose path to destruction, to ruin your testimony. And we would do well to understand that what God says He wants us to do, live in the truth and walk in the truth and, and to think on the truth, the devil wants to lead us as far away from the truth as he possibly can. So how does that first question we postulated that people will ask, 
bear these things out. Well, how could a good and loving God ever send someone to a terrible place called hell? Well, do you know what? That is questioning what God said because that's precisely what God said would be the case. If someone rejects Christ, they go to a devil's hell. But let me say this, that's not exactly what the Bible says. They're just questioning what the Bible says. You see, the Bible records to us that Jesus came that we might have life. Not that we might have death. He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh not for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil doesn't want you to think on that because he doesn't want you to see the reality of the struggle between truth and, and error and goodness and, and evil and darkness and light. And so what we discover is that he wants to broker in partial truths and he wants to cloud your mind to get you to thinking things that are not absolutely true. And then you start feeling a certain way about what you're thinking on and that be- begins to move the compass of your life. It points you in a direction far away from the revealed truth of the Word of God. So Satan wanted to question and undermine in Eve's heart and mind God's Word. Secondly, we find that he wanted to question and undermine in Eve's heart and mind God's holiness. The Bible says here, the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. And so, he was saying, if you disobey God, there's no consequence for sin. If you disobey God, there'll really be no consequence for sin. Listen, <laughs> the devil, he doesn't care if, uh, if you believe in a heaven. He doesn't even really care if you believe in a hell. Just so long as you convince yourself that somehow, through your own works, you can become holy enough to merit heaven. But you see, that's a lie. What we discover here is that Satan wanted her to question and have undermined in her heart and mind whether or not God was really holy. And so he said, listen, if you, if you disobey what God said, you're not really going to die. Folks, how could a good and loving God Send someone to a terrible place like hell. The fact is that God sends no one there. They choose to go there against all of His pleadings. They crawl over a blood-stained, old rugged cross on the way there and they, they plug their ears to the cries of the Holy Spirit for them to come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. The reality is this, that... Satan implanted a lie in the mind of of Eve about the holiness of God. And he wanted to put that in her mind to just modify the way she thought about what God said. And based upon how she was thinking about it, she started to feel a certain way about it. That began to move the compass of her life just a little bit. And it turned her in the direction of a tree in the middle of the garden. So Satan wants to question and undermine in our hearts and minds God's Word and God's holiness. And the third thing that he 
continues to want to do is to question and undermine in our hearts and minds God's goodness. To question whether or not God is really good. And in this dialogue, he was trying to lead Eve down the primrose path to destruction by convincing her that God was not really good. That God created her simply to frustrate her. That God put her into the Garden of Eden just to make her unhappy and unfulfilled because the most wonderful thing in all of the Garden God said you can't have. No, it was the most destructive and harmful thing on earth. And the Lord said stay away from it. He loved her. He was good. He said you can freely eat everything except the one thing that will kill you. Stay away from it. Because I'm good and I love you. And I have a good purpose and plan. And what the devil always wants to do is try to sow seeds in our mind that, that God created us to frustrate us. And, and that if we live the life of God and walk according to the truth, we're going to be frustrated and unfulfilled. That God is not really good to us. That somehow He created us just to torment us. To, to make us do things against our will. And the truth is that that is the furthest thing from what God has intended for His people that we, we find revealed in the truth. But you know what? Eve began to think, well, maybe that's true. And she began to be drawn away. She saw that the tree was good. For what? For food. And it was pleasant to the eyes and desired to make one wise. And so she took of the fruit. You see, look, she said, what the devil is offering me, it's good. And it's pleasant and it's desirable. And God's trying to keep from me that which is good and pleasant and desirable. And Satan was sowing a lie. That stinking liar was telling her that what God says, God's truth, is going to, uh, to hurt you and to frustrate you and to keep you from all that's good in this world. And the reality was, he was leading her down the primrose path to destruction. He was wanting her to think a certain way about what God said. Think, well, maybe that's so. Maybe really, I'll be as a God and it'll make me wise. And it's good to eat and all of these things. And she began to think a certain way. And then she began to feel, she began to act upon her feelings based upon the thoughts the, the, the falsehoods that were planted in her mind by the devil. And it moved the compass, which is the direction of her life, towards a tree that would ultimately end in her death. And my friends, the devil today wants you to somehow think that God is not really good. That we're having a coronavirus and people are dying beside of this illness and that people are losing their jobs and that God could somehow prevent it and because He's not doing so that God is no longer good. And the truth is that the people of God throughout uh, millennia have come to that conclusion because they had turned their backs upon God and when God began to deal with their sin, they didn't like the results of their own choices and God honoring who He was, a holy God and a just God. And so they began to question whether or not God was even good at all. That's what the children of Israel did. But you know what? It was based upon a lie. You think about the fact that God took the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. They were not free there. They were forced to work compulsory labor. They were beaten uh, with whips. They were forced to do things against their will. They were not free to come and go. And God raised up 
a, a, a leader named Moses to, to lead his people out of the land of bondage. And when they finally were set free after the plagues that God imposed upon Egypt, and they got into the wilderness, and the first time they got a little thirsty or a little hungry, they began to say, God, let us out here into this wilderness so that we and our children would die. And the fact of the matter is that that was a lie that was sown in their hearts and minds to get them thinking a certain way and then feeling a certain way until the compass of their life turned against God's representative and God's will for their lives. The truth was that God led them straight to Kadesh Barnea, that God was, would have led them straight into the land of promise, a land that flowed with milk and honey. And the truth was that those that honored and feared God came over and said, look, their defenses departed from them, their bread for us. Let us go over. The Lord has promised them into our hand, and surely God will deliver them into our hands. And, and the people, because of fear, did not believe the good and true report, but they listened to all of the naysayers and they begin to believe a lie. They begin to think on that. And so they begin to feel a certain way, fearful. And that fear led them to turn away from what God said. And then when things didn't go exactly the way they dictated that they should go, they wanted to blame everything bad in their lives on God. And we could trace it right back to a lie that was planted in their minds by the devil himself. That stinking liar. And tonight, if we take a moment and just consider how that stinking liar wants to get you thinking a certain way that's juxtaposed from God's truth so that you start feeling a certain way that's not connected to truth, but it becomes your perceived reality, and then the compass of your life begins to turn away from the truth that God desires to use to lead you in the right path. Just know this, that from the time that God created man until this time today, the old ugly devil, that stinking liar, has continued to perpetrate lies and he wants to question and undermine in our hearts and minds what God said. He wants to question and undermine in our hearts and minds whether God is really holy. And He wants to question and undermine in our hearts and minds whether God is truly good. You know, the fact is that truth is absolute. It, it, it's, it's unchanging. It stands alone. The truth doesn't need a defense. It's true. And, and the fact of the matter is that Satan wants to attack it. He doesn't want, want God's people to base their lives upon it. And so, I, I think every once in a while when the devil starts sowing seed thoughts in us that are based on sensationalism and evil imaginations that are based upon how we think based upon some weird feeling and then we start feeling a certain way and changes the way that we live our lives instead of living our lives according to the Word of God. We need to renounce old ugly, that stinking liar, and tell him to go to hell where he came from because he wants to destroy your life. He'll never make it better. And any time you get to thinking that God is not good, you mark it down. That's a lie from the Father of lies. So tonight, 
let's determine we're going to walk in the truth. We're going to live the truth of the Word of God. We're going to allow it to become the filter for everything that comes in and everything that goes out of our life. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You that we could take some time tonight and consider Your truth. Help us, Lord, to walk in the truth, to live the truth. And then, when someone tries to question what You said, may we see the source of it. When someone tries to doubt whether You're truly holy and just in what You do, may we understand the source of that. And Lord, may we never join in to the thinking or feeling that somehow God is not truly good. May we know and understand and believe with everything that is in us that God is good all of the time. Lord, please help us to root our lives deeply in the Word of God, the truth. And Lord, we'll thank You for what You'll accomplish in us and then through us. For this we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. I want to admonish you to walk in the truth. Don't listen to old ugly, that stinking liar. He'll lead you down the pathway of destruction. Don't forget.